towards the end of the year. I'm on the beach too, so I don't have a pithy opening for this edition of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I can tell you what beer I'm drinking. Uh, it is actually almost beach weather. Sunny enough today that the patio furniture out on the back deck. And I'm starting to realize that I need to drink up my leftover winter beers in the fridge to make room for more seasonally appropriate ones. So I'm drinking a Three Beans Coffee Porter Bourbon Barrel Aged by uh, Six Point Brewing in Brooklyn, New York. It's uh, heavier than I remember it being. I mean, it's exactly as as heavy as I remember it being, but I forgot it is like a 9%. Came back to me quickly. It's just a fearsome foursome this week. And we will start in Ohio with our Ohio owl and king of socials, Evan Skilleter. Evan, what are you drinking? Mm, hear that, Patty? King of socials. I Hang on, am... why, is, why has this happened? Why am I on king of socials? What's going on? I contest this king of socials. We'll get to you. Well, send us an email and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all right, buddy. We've we've newly anointed you. You're the queen of socials, <laughs> and that is not a disrespectful term. It's gender equality that puts you in equal hierarchical setting in the monarchy that is Al's America's. I'll take it. Fair enough. I have a uh, Miller sixty four. Actually, way hey, someone else is on the oh diet train. Right? I uh, well, well, I <laughs> gotta get that beach scale. body. I stepped on the scale this morning and I dropped 12 pounds in two weeks. So um, figured I'd, I'd keep up with the uh, the good work, I suppose, and uh, stick with Miller 64. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. It's got a uh, Columbus Crew koozie wrapped around it as well. Keep my hand warm and the beard cold. Also on the line is you've heard him already. The Deposed king of socials, Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Tito's uh, and lemonade. Um, I don't understand why I've been deposed. This wasn't agreed with me beforehand. I mean, I'm happy being the queen of socials too, of course. But um, why am I no longer king of socials? What's he done? Evan Just call a... me the u- the usurper. Evan did a very good job on Saturday. I am more annoyed that he's lost 12 pounds in three weeks. Uh, I've been trying my ass. I've had to gain a pound in two weeks. <laughs> How many a, beers did you have at family day, Patty? Uh, I had, to be fair, my weekend dieting has not gone great. Um, and I can't drink more than one live beer at a time without wanting to kill myself. So on like family day, I have several Dogfish Head Flesh and Bloods, which is my favorite IPA. Uh, and then went on to Red Bulls and drank a big arita, I think it was. A mango, a mango, big arita. 99% sugar and pretty much my entire calorie intake for the day, I think. James Allen, please tell me you're drinking a normal beer. Uh, I'm on the beach as well, uh, Jeff. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking a Hawaiian beer. Uh, or at least it, it says Hawaii on the can, so I guess that counts. Um, it's a, uh, a Hawaiian pizza IPA, which is... Um, it's a limited edition can release from my local brewery, Rockaway, uh, which came out on Friday. So I went down to the can release party and uh, and grabbed literally four before they all flew off the shelves. Um, the image on the front is two pigs with tusks gnawing down on juicy pineapples, um, which I guess kind of uh, reminds me of a, of a team not so disassociated with Wednesday who uh, who thought they were chewing on something sweet, only to find that it had quite a high uh, bitterness factor. 
Um, bit like this IPA, it's a, it's an absolutely fantastic IPA. Actually, it doesn't really taste of pineapples, um, but it's got a sting in the tail, a little bit like Sheffield United's playoff chances, which uh, makes me pretty happy. It's episode twenty-eight of the Owls Americast. We're coming down the home stretch of the season, which is a uh, kind of a shame because we're rounding into form. Only, uh, I think, let last look sixteen points off a playoff spot. Might not be happening, though. Uh, a lot of that fun is Fessy-driven, and he led the charge at Reading. So, of course, we'll review that game. We have another Cincinnati Owl this week in our How I Became a Wednesday Night segment. Uh, and speaking of Wednesday Nights, one popped up in the MLS Team of the Week. It's also award season. Uh in the Wednesday community and on this podcast, so we'll preview those. We'll also preview the, I think, now most famous fixture in Wednesday podcasting. Yes, it's Wolves Away. No squirrels this week, just Wednesday content, and we'll start with the Reading game. Evan, you were there on the socials, staking your claim to the crown, but also covering the game, and it's uh, the easiest three points you'll see. Yeah, I think we uh, felt like we were playing Chesterfield in week number one of the season. It was just uh, Reading were dismal. Uh, or do you guys call them Reading or Reading? <laughs> do, do, we, do, do we have to deign to answer that, Evan? Uh, reading. Reading. That's nearly as bad as Swansea, which I heard last week. Yeah. No, I think it was uh, Alexi Lawless that, that pronounced it incorrectly. But... Uh, Alexi Lalas mispronounces everything. Let's be honest. He called Adi Nuhu Adi Nuhu. So well, that's what, that's why he switched to Big Dave permanently, I believe. Um, yeah, but but they just looked terrible, and uh, we definitely took advantage. You know, we moved the ball well through the midfield, and you know, I won't take everyone's thunder, but my gosh, it seemed like. I mean, we even played good defense. So, um, yeah, overall, great game. It was it was fun to be on socials for sure. Uh, just being able to to tweet out some of those goals and um, you know keep up with with what everyone was saying. You know, it's it's so much different this at this point in the season than it was in the middle of the year when you were on socials because it used to be everyone was so negative and you couldn't tweet anything happy or funny because you'd get bad feedback. But these days you can uh, be as po- positive as you want, be a uh, as they as they call it in Sheffield a happy clapper, and uh, that's exactly what I was on Saturday. I mean, it's also easy to be positive when you're playing Reading, and maybe it was just the uh, color of the kit, but it really seemed like Wednesday was basically uh, being defended by a bunch of practice cones. <laughs> they, they weren't great, were they, Jeff? Um, oh, I mean, they were... I mean, to be fair, Wednesday themselves have put in some shit performances this year, but this was, I think, easily the worst performance from a championship team I've seen this season. They, they, they were right up there with Sunderland. Um, it's it's so difficult though, isn't it? Because I mean, it, even Reading in their predicament, they're, they're pretty much safe. They're, what, they're five points clear of the relegation zone with two to play now, um, even despite losing. But they didn't look like a team that were in any way relegation threat. They just looked like a bunch of players who desperately wanted to stop wearing that horrific kit and not have to play these games. So there's, there's something very wrong at Reading. But Evan, to your point, I mean, let, let's be happy clappers, right? I mean, all of a sudden, Wednesday looked like a well-balanced side. You know, we've... Um, and, and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out 
in my own head. I've kind of got two scenarios here for what's going on. Either uh, all the players are coming back that we wanted and with better players at his disposal, Jos Lurkai is, is able to set up a really well-balanced football team, which is what it looks like, right? You've got kind of, you've got strength on both sides of the pitch. You've got a balanced back three, um, you know, with Pudil coming back in, uh, Venancio and Lees uh, on Saturday. We just, we look rock solid at the back most of the game. I thought, I thought they were excellent. Um, he's got, you know, real attacking threat now with Fernando Forestieri and Jordan Rhodes coming back into something of four and the midfield looks well balanced. So that's option one. Or option two is this is just a squad of players that play better when the pressure is off. Um, and, you know, having secured safety, maybe kind of, you know, with a, a little bit kind of a, of opposition who are, are already one mind on the beach, they're, they're beginning to play a bit more energetic football and, and kind of show the players that they can be. And I can't make up my mind which one it is um, because this this team, like we've said before, blows hot and cold, but but they blew hot on Saturday and they, um, they blew Reading away. I think you also landed on the, the big difference maker and it's going to be impossible to parse what this back half of the season means until we see how the squad comes out in August and it might be a very different squad composition by then for a variety of reasons, but it's just nice to be reminded, Patty, like how good Fernando Forestieri is. Like he's gotten a fair bit of stick and he, when he's not been in, in great form and he's, uh, what's the appropriate, not entirely politically correct term. He's moody. I think it's sort of the, <laughs> one of the epithets that get thrown at him, but on his day, you know, you can keep your Sessegnons. He could be the best player in the championship. Well, I mean, the best thing about moody people is when they're in a good mood, they're fantastic. So uh, when he's high, he's high. And it was everything that was good about Fessy was there to see on Saturday because his movement is fantastic. His energy is unmatched. Uh, he's got great skill, tenacity. Um, it's just a, a joy to watch. And he brings the rest of the team up to that level too. I think we look so much more pacey with Fessy and Bannon back in the team. There's more urgency. Uh, we used to call like Lee the metronome of the side. Remember when he was back in this team, he he, he really did put us forward uh, with the runs he made forward from midfield. But with Bannon and Forestieri in the side again, it is looking like a team that's got some urgency to them and, and reach all he adds to that too. So yeah, it was just a it was just great to watch the entire um, the entire game. And obviously the first goal was a great um, pass from uh, Pudil cutting down the left. Uh, nice tee up and smashed it and got a lucky deflection, but I think he would have gone in anyway, really. It was just one of those days for him, and I was really praying for him to get the uh, hat-trick at the end, but um, it didn't come to, but it came very close. Um, I think we're all going to talk about the um, the third goal, so I think it would be uh, a bit selfish of me to just hog it all to myself, but I mean, for me, that's the best goal of the season. Uh, and it's, it was, again, everything that's good about Forrest Gary does not give up. He's, he's got three people around him. We spoke about this earlier in the season too, about having three people around him and just a turn of pace and then he's left them for dead. Although this time around, he left two for dead and one was still hanging on like a really annoying kind of like, I don't know, thread on his trousers. And he just sh- shoulder to shoulder, barging her again, almost got the ball back, but then someone else took it off him, slid into that ball, won the ball again and just leathers it into the top corner. And honestly, I didn't even know it went in at first. I thought it went wide, because the way it bounced back out of the net, like it does sometimes, like it hit a wall, I thought it had gone wide. So I didn't even celebrate for the first two seconds until everyone else celebrating. It was just uh, a fantastic goal. And it, it, was, it was a fantastic all game, but that was just wrapped you all up. It was, it was such a great finish. 
I think the most impressive thing about that goal, and there are a lot of impressive things, that it came, you know, 80 minutes into a game where he'd already worked his tail off and he's still coming off a knee injury. But he's got something to prove, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, and, and actually, if I kind of go back to my um, my kind of question earlier on in terms of what what is it that's kind of making this team tick all of a sudden, it's it's probably the fact that quite a lot of players have got something to prove. Either they're coming back from injury and they want to prove their worth, or they're they're playing for a new contract, or you know they they're kind of recognising the shitty season that we've had and they need to make make a point. But Fessy, is, I love your phrase, Jeff. He's playing with his tail up. I mean, you know, before we talk about the the magnitude of the third goal, which I'm not sure goal of the season, Paddy, but it's it's up there as a contender. Um, he, he, the second goal, right? I mean, you know, he he made that goal by chasing that ball down to the byline that pretty much no one else would have bothered to do, right? I mean, he, he absolutely led it over to the corner flag to keep it in, then placed back in, obviously reached, makes a great run, and it's a, it's a lovely finish, actually, in the end from George Boyd. But the the effort that Fessy puts into that is just, it's a step change over the rest of the squad, step change over the rest of the pitch. And he was light years ahead of the Reading defence in terms of his, uh, his drive there. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's a man with a point to prove, which, which kind of, it raises the question, maybe not of, you know, what, what would it have been if we'd had Fessy all season? What if we'd had a hungry squad all season? You know, that, that maybe makes a huge difference. And maybe that explains a lot of how we got into the situation we're in, but, but let's just dwell on that third goal for a second. Cause Paddy, while you were kind of wondering whether it had gone into the back of the net, we were laughing. And we weren't laughing just because it was amazing. We were laughing because we couldn't believe what we'd just seen. It was like watching part football, right? I mean, it was like he was like the man who was just always going to have the ball. He was going to kind of just manage to take on the entire squad. He must have taken on about seven defenders before he took that shot. It's incredible. Absolutely brilliant goal. And I think maybe a team a little bit more interested in actually playing football might have closed for a theory down more effectively can you, but can you imagine being a fan of that club <laughs> I, well, mean, I mean it... evan it's interesting you say that because they were in uh your twitter mentions on a lot of the clips you were posting and they were oh. just absolutely miserable about the whole thing and who can blame <laughs> they, them they were furious i mean it was in to be honest with you it sounded exactly like we sounded about four or five weeks ago sure how are they Every finding goal... the account? I'm, I mean, you're welcome to follow us on at Owls America's Reading fans across the world. But... <laughs> right. We, uh, it's exactly what we, we used to say. It echoes everything that our season was in the middle. It was 11. You know, why are we foxes. just standing around on defense? We, we look like traffic cones. I mean, I know that that's your phrase, Jeff, but, um, yeah, that's how they all felt. I just, I can, I can definitely understand and feel where they're coming from. And I, I don't want to call it funny, but it's a bit ironic that uh, we're on the other end now where, where we can enjoy, uh, we can enjoy just destroying a team that is playing incredibly poorly. In fairness, at least we had the decency just to be generally abject. I mean, they, they looked like they were abject and they really couldn't care less. So at least, you know, when we were abject, our players were kind of pointing at each other and shouting and kind of falling <laughs> out a little bit. They they were just like, oh, can, is, can, can I just leave the pitch now, please? I mean, I do credit that shirt. It's a pretty horrible shirt in uh, in many respects. But, but hey, I mean, imagine being a Reading fan. Just let that, you know, even in our lowest moments, you're not a Reading fan. That's... That's that's always something we should be happy about. And I know I just slagged off Morgan Fox for about the hundredth time in the history of this podcast, but at least when Morgan Fox got beat, he tracked back so he could get beat again. And then beat again. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, James, I think it's pronounced reading. 
<laughs> Imagine being a reading fan, a fan of, a fan of the Royals. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that a a a secondary uh, Sheffield Wednesday podcast tried to preview the Reading game by uh, by putting up a little video of an owl and a wolf uh, until that it was pointed out to them that we weren't actually playing wolves; we were playing Reading. And it, it turned out there was no such animal that could be uh, could be conjured up for Reading because they haven't even got a chuffy mascot. They're just called the Royals, just because they happen to be somewhere near Windsor. It's and they um, have a baby. Well, great. There's plenty of babies in the world. That doesn't make them special. But the, the point being, reading is uh, is just not a place that you want to be associated with. And after their performance on Saturday, I would uh, I would totally endorse that statement. And it could have been worse because after Wednesday went up three nil, uh, Evan Reading had a player sent off. Uh, yeah, they sure did. That was, that was one of the strangest sending offs I've ever seen. It, it reminded me like on the playground when we were younger um we played football but it was on um the blacktop we didn't have like a grass field to play on during recess and and so and when i say football i mean american football and it was two hand tap and i just remember one time you know my buddy scored a touchdown and, and just to joke around with him i kicked his back heel and and you know he clipped his his other heel and fell forward and bumped his chin and cried and I, I got um, I got a detention a detention for doing that, and it was just a harmless little you know just just a little kick to the back of his heel, and so uh, it's exactly sen- you took the sending off personally, Evan. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, I felt I felt badly. I to to be fair, the the law of the the game says that that's a sending off. It's a red card. It's he did do it right in intent. front of the linesman too. He, he did. He did. So I'm I'm not saying it wasn't. Um, or he shouldn't have been sent off, but, or sent off, excuse me. I just think it, it was so silly to do that. Why are you, at that point in the game, just to do what he did is just so silly. There's a great moment, too, where the official, like, calms everybody down, like, tries to separate, like, knew he is getting in him, the Reddings, you know, calms down, walks over to the linesman, and you see the linesman lip whispering in his ear, and the referee just gives a look, like, just absolute, like, I seriously have to send this guy off? Fine. I can't, but it's like... Three nil. There's like five minutes left to play. I'll send him off. He was just fed up with Reading at that point. I think as everyone <laughs> else was. Yeah, I think everyone was just ready to get out of there, and they had to uh, add a little stoppage time to the end because of it. So six minutes yeah, was it? Irritating. It was. It was too many minutes. However many it was. Um, yeah, just. Uh, I, I was having a good time though, and it was two weeks in a row that I was having a good time watching and and tweeting, and Rachel was around, so. Um, you know, I was getting excited with her there and she was actually kind of enjoying watching some of the replays as well. So, um, just a good morning, good Saturday morning in, in the U S of a. So after 96 minutes of action, I guess, what have we learned? There were no squirrels. There were no nut shots. We did get another debutante in Connor Kirby. Did we learn anything? Are there any lessons left to be learned? The 2017-2018 season. Sheffield Wednesday have better squirrel security than anyone else. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, those are yes. two non-events, right? We, we closed down the squirrels from getting in. We closed down the Reading attackers from getting in. Um, so yeah, I think that's it, really. We can beat Reading at home. I mean, it's not really a great achievement to put on your 2018 CV, but we'll take it at this point. We are still... Uh... I don't know if we did it on the pod or in the WhatsApp group, but somebody sort of postulated that the 
goal for the rest of the season should be to finish ahead of Leeds and four points with three to play. It's not out of the mathematical possibility yet. And we can also mathematically um, finish one point behind uh, United and a place behind them too, I think. So how funny would that be after the lauding actually finished just slightly below them after they capitulized the, uh, the second half season. We've got slightly better through our second half season. I mean, there's no shame. There's no shame in giving up a goal to a proven championship net finder like Jacques Magoma. <laughs> Much as I want to stick the knife into them on the other side of the city, um, can I just check your maths for a second? A Jeff, there's only two games left in the season. Yeah, um, and B, haven't United got like 66 points, Paddy? Sorry, not one point, one place, that I meant. One place behind ah, Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough. I think Matt, it's uh, Matt, I one think point above Leeds would be something like that. That would be sweet, wouldn't it? I mean, and, and why not? If we're playing well with the pressure off, why don't we win the last two games and kind of go into pre-season on a high? That would be awesome. I'll tell you one other thing we learned on uh, on Saturday. I'd forgotten this when we were talking about the team. Um, what about Yossi Lukai? asserting and deciding to play Cameron Dawson for the last three games. I think that's awesome. Um, I really like the way he came out and just said, look, you know, Cameron's not had championship football time. He's uh, he's only been playing in the cup. So Joe Wildsmith's done a great job this season, but I'm going to give Cameron the jersey for the last last three games so that he experiences what it's like. And, you know, he's he's made a very clear statement there that he's going to give another young kid um, his, uh, his head the same way as he did with Connor Kirby. And I think that's, that's actually... That's great for the future of Sheffield Wednesday. It's really good for the future of Cameron Dawson. And it's, um, I think it stands Yoss in really good stead as well. And the fact that he can make a balanced judgment about where we are and do the right thing by the team. Do we think there's anything to this happening as sort of a prelude to a Westwood sale in the summer? That's what everyone's talking about, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's all sorts of rumours going around. Um, look, we, we covered this a few weeks ago. I mean, I'll, I'll put my line out straight away. I think we'd be absolutely foolish to uh, to let Westwood go. I think no matter how good the two young goalkeepers are, he's proven at this level. And I, I think he, you know, you start with the backbone from a from a proven goalkeeper, right? So if we want to get promoted out of this league, I'd rather have him in net than the other two. And that's no disrespect to them. I just think they've got some work to do. I don't know what others think. Wasn't there no, uh, some right, stats this week that said, like, Wildsmith was the third best goalie in the championship? Really? What stats were those from? Uh, Sheffieldunited.com. <laughs> I think it was Peter that posted them, wasn't it? I have to find oh, these maybe, now. It was from Pete, I believe it. I have to find these. This, is, this always makes for great content when we go completely off the script, and that, I'm, like, would, furiously um, searching Twitter. I would challenge James because I don't think it's foolish to sell Westwood. I think it makes financial sense to sell Westwood. Um, uh, And I think we've got good enough cover from Wildsmith, but I still don't think he's as good as uh, Westwood. So while it's not foolish to sell him, I wouldn't do it myself. Well, no, I totally buy what you're saying about the finances. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to say that if we don't sell Westwood, we're going to have to sell somebody else in order to balance the books. Not not actually so much for the amount that we get in, but because of the wages that he's on. Um, so we're going to have to make some trade-offs like that over the summer. I totally get that. I just think your goalkeeper is one position where you are so exposed and where a seasoned, experienced, top championship-level performer can make the difference between three points, one point, one point, zero points. And for me, you know, if you're going to really try and 
uh, push on at the top end of the division. That's a that's a te- that's a position in the team that's worth investing in. Um, I think you can you can find young, energetic players with a point to prove who can play elsewhere in the team. It's it's harder to do that in the goalkeeping position. So I did find it, and uh, it has Wild Smith as the third best shot stopper in the championship, which of course is only one of your goalkeeper's responsibilities, though a fairly important one, obviously. Uh, he was expected to give up 34 goals this season and only gave up 28 goals. Ex- so it's, yeah, it's XG. Who's was expecting to give up 34 goals. I mean, did you watch our defense this year, to be fair? Oh, I see. So he should have um, gone in, you mean. So 34 goals should have gone in. Right, but he only conceded 28. Well, actually, Westwood's at the bottom of this table where he should have conceded 19, but let in 23. Now, it's, you know, small sample size and and whatnot, but it's something to think about at least. And I think it does get to the, well, he might not be as good a pure keeper as Westwood overall. Um, you know, the price is right. How much worse is he? So so what is the price is right then? What what would you accept for, for a sale of Kieran Westwood? And would you sell him to another championship club? I would say no to championship club, but I guess can't be choosers. I would say four million pounds is is decent. I mean, he's still going to want to be starting, right? Because I'm sure he has, you know, he wants the Ireland number one spot between, you know, Euro qualifiers coming up and the whatever European stupid league, national league they put together. Um, so he's going to want to sort of reestablish himself, I think, as a as a player for that shirt. And I think he only do it as a starter. And I don't know if there's a Premier League team bringing him in as a starting goalkeeper at this point in his career. Which means you're accepting £4 million to uh, to sell him to a championship rival, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, this this one's going to run and run through the summer, and we're going to have to talk about this in the context of the wider squad, and, 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 it, and it is trade-offs. You know, we can't keep everybody. We are going to have to let some people go. Um, I think th- this is one we should say for the end-of-season wrap-up, I think, on the assumption that we still have Kieran, Kieran Westwood one week or so after the season. But let's, uh, let's see where we stand. Well, on that assumption, we'll take a break, and we come back. We'll head back to Cincinnati to talk with yet another Wednesdayite in the great Midwest. Okay, so for uh, for this week's um, how I became a Wednesday night segment, we're uh, we're going to go to uh, to an American who I had the pleasure of meeting at an away game uh, in Brentford um, over the Christmas holidays. Um, so uh, I had the uh, the pleasure of kind of going down to that game with a few friends from Sheffield, and uh, there I met Elliot and Melissa from Cincinnati um, in West London, which was random enough. Um, but it turned out that they were, uh, they were on a football tour over the holidays. So we're delighted to be joined by Elliot Little, uh, our Cincinnati owl. Elliot, uh, good evening. Hey everybody. How are you? Great to be on. Really good to have you on the Isles of Americas. Um, Elliot, you know, we're going to start with the, uh, the time honored question, which is how did you become a Wednesday such that I met you in a very cold, um, West London bar on one corner of, uh, Brentford stadium, uh, back in December. And, um, and what had drawn you 4,000 miles away from home over the Christmas holidays to, uh, to watch Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Thanks, James. So really I'd say my introduction, uh, to football was from, uh, one of my good friends, Andy, 
who uh, is from Johnfield, right? Which you'd say, well, that's kind of the United side of Sheffield. Um, uh, he and I met through some family connections, but uh, his aunt was a huge fan uh, of the Owls and got him hooked at a young age. And then not long after he had moved to the States, um, I had ran into him and got to know him a bit and introduced him to baseball where he kind of became a Cincinnati Reds fan through me in that regard. So as I later became interested in football and got to understand the sport a little bit better, um, I guess it was only natural from there that I claimed the Owls. Um, you know, and thinking back on it a little bit, definitely some similarities in the clubs, right? Glory from the past, falling from grace in the, the not too distant past. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of suffering fan base, fan base similarities and such. So, um, yeah, my friend Andy from Johnfield was, was the connection. And, uh, and from there it's, uh, it's spiraled into full fledged fandom, I would say. And uh, sort of roughly when did you find Wednesday? Is this, is this a recent discovery, a sort of, you know, a turning point in your life, or is this something you've been uh, suffering with for many years like the rest of us? <laughs> yeah, I'd say um, it was, uh, I think around the 2013-14 season that um, I really, really picked it up. Um, I'd kind of decided that American football was, was no longer anything that I had much interest in. Um, thinking of uh, a winter sport besides basketball to, to follow and just the world cup, you know, the, the, the enjoyment of watching the world cup and stuff started to, to set in. So, um, yeah, I'd say it was kind of that, that conflation of those things, you know, I, it was, it was kind of a fun chase. I would say when I first got onto it, right. Most of the matches I watched were on illegal streams with, you know, virus attempts and pop-up ads and such on the, on the computer screen, trying to, to find something to, to catch the games. Um, but yeah, it was through my friendship with, with Andy and then, um, and then, yeah, spending a little bit of time. I'll give a big shout out to the, the Wednesday week pod as well. That's had a lot to do with me learning about the history and the culture and, and, and getting involved. So a, a shout out to those guys. Um, they, they, they had a lot to, uh, to do with pulling me in to, to, to follow on the team. But yeah, it was right in the, it was right about the time I think they were kicking off the pod in 2015 that I really started to um to, to to really focus in and say it's it's my main passion now from a from a sports perspective yeah i've got to say the first time i met you Elliot, the uh, i mean it, it was brilliant to meet uh, an american a fully fledged american in in the bar down in brentford but you kind of uh, you were introduced to me as the uh, representative of the Al's america and it was sort of like you know uh, a nice handshake and very polite uh, welcome and hello um at which point you looked over my shoulder and saw james marriott from the wednesday week came in and, and you nearly fell apart it was it was like you were starstruck <laughs> Um, so I guess that, yeah, that probably sets the bar in terms of where we need to get to. Yeah, I would say so. I would say, like I said, they, you know, James and, and Lord H and, and that whole crew is, uh, has been a big part of it. So yeah, they are kind of folk figures, I guess, when I think of, when I think of, uh, you know, the people I look up to from a, from a Wednesday knowledge and being a part of the culture and, um, and yeah, you guys are right on your way though. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing what you guys are doing and pulling, pulling all of us together on, on this side of the pond. And, and so, uh, yeah, bigger times to come for all of us there. So how was Brentford? We know that the match wasn't any good because you were there with James Allen. He hasn't seen a win all season, but what are your impressions of the ground? Yeah, that's uh, thanks for for asking that. It was really friendly place. Um, yeah, like I said, we met in the pub before the before the match, and then after uh, to, to to commiserate a little bit as well. Very friendly people. Very small, intimate uh, feel um, from you know the walk through the neighborhood to to get to the ground. 
Um, the away in there is, is a really interesting place where it's, we were in the lower tier where it's standing room only pretty tightly packed. Um, but I would say it was, it was friendly. It was, uh, jovial. It was welcoming. Um, you know, even, even when to your point, you know, Jeff, the, the football wasn't, wasn't so great. They gave us a, a pretty good, you know, drubbing, which we, we totally deserved. It was an interesting time, right? When, when Lee Bolin was our, our coach. So um, it was a kind of interesting time. We were really suffering through the, the injuries and such, but I'd say the, yeah, the, the, the experience of getting to Brentford. And I think speaking back to James Marriott, he was, he was shocked that I was able to, to get a ticket to that match. Cause there aren't, there weren't a lot of away and tickets available. Um, again, shout out to my friend Andy from Johnfield who, who helped me get, helped me secure that. Um, but yeah, I would say it was friendly. Um, but, uh, at the same time, pretty intense, um, different than an American sport where, you know, people in the middle of the game are going to the restroom and grabbing a bag of peanuts and getting another drink or anything. Very intense, very focused on the match. Um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. Clearly, um, expect to make some sort of an annual pilgrimage, hopefully to Hillsborough in the, the not too distant future. Um, but, uh, yeah, highly, highly recommended if, if, you know, London is as close as you can get over there to coincide a trip and Brentford was, a uh, was a perfect place. I thought to, to, to kind of break that mold. It was great. You did prove to be a lucky charm, Elliot, in, in one way. I mean, it wasn't anything to do with the performance on the pitch or the uh, or the result, because both of those were absolutely dreadful. But um, literally just standing in the queue with Elliot and his wife, Melissa, we uh, we were like two two places in front of genuine Wednesday fan royalty in the form of Tango, uh, who stood there with his top <laughs> off in the, middle, in the middle of winter. And uh, and then just on the other side of like the snaking uh, trailer Wednesday, it's going in, were, uh, were John Sheridan, John Newsom, and Chris Waddle. So uh, you, you should come to more games, mate. You uh, you, you bring out the <laughs> It's not not just podcasting royalty, but Wednesday royalty as well. Yeah, I think so. I, and I think I even I even handed you my phone, James, or you took it with your phone. I got a kind of photo bomb picture with with Tango in the background in his in his native environment. It was great. I see. So I'm now uh, on your wall, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> background of my computer. So I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I actually started following really closely 2011 or sorry 2012 and 13. So, you know, we're kind of on the same spectrum there. What are some of your uh, what are some of your highlights, I guess? I know there's not a whole lot to get terribly excited about in those years, but uh, you know, since you've started following, what are some things that have, have stood out in your mind? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Evan. I yeah, clearly the 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 storm through the through the playoff run um, was was, you know, unbelievably exciting. Um, you know, up to that point, right? you'd realize this too, Evan, right? I mean, we kind of had been a mid table team. Um, we'd get to about this time of year and the, the flip flops would go on and the, the team would kind of see the year, the rest of the year, uh, out the door. And so, um, yeah, I think the excitement of bringing Carlos on and his instant impact on the team, um, you know, clearly, clearly stood out. I think, uh, the FA cup win over Arsenal, um, was one that I got to go rub in some friends' faces that are fellow football fans here in Cincinnati. That was that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, clearly the, the the playoff chase um, was 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 really great. I, in fact, I remember being in Boston watching the, the playoff final on some for for some random reason. I was there for that weekend. Um, yeah, I'd say yeah, definitely the the FA Cup win and against Arsenal, and then the the, the course making it to Wembley and. Um, you know, being, being as close as we, we came, but I'd say I, I, I do appreciate the, the ebb and flow of, 
you know, the fight in the championship. Sure, there's a lot of a lot of frustrating moments, but I know there are a couple folks on the on on, on your guys' podcast side that you know really talk about pro rel and and you know the focus in that direction. And um, yeah, I think just that 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 struggle and that incentive that you have. Um, you know, the FFP stuff that as I've learned more about that, cheers to you guys for, for, for really opening my eyes to, to all that's involved there has added more interesting wrinkles. Um, that's, that's made this even more of a, of a chess match kind of puzzle puzzle in my, in my head of how you, of how you build a successful football club. So yeah, taking the, the struggles along with the, with the highlights. Um, but, but yeah, those two for, for sure would stand out. Evan, was there one I'm missing that's, that stands out to you since you started watching? No, I, I think that's it. I, the only thing for me, and I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, is that um, the very first game I listened to, we actually won in stoppage time. Um, so, you know, th- that's a, a huge moment for me. But, yeah, no, I think I think you've hit it on the head. I think it's always fun when, when we get to play Premier League teams and – you know, a lot of my friends that like soccer, they're fairly new to it as well, but they've chosen to follow the teams they can watch every week and that everyone knows about, Manchester United, Arsenal, etc. So when we beat Arsenal, like you said, it was fun to rub, uh, rub it in some of their faces. And and actually, there was one Arsenal fan that I knew that I that had no idea that we had just beaten them. Um, and, and he said, what league are you in, League 2? So he had no idea. So, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's It's a lot of fun. Perfect. Um, so, so let's. Uh, h- how about a little bit about this season before we get into maybe uh, the Cincinnati Louisville rivalry? Because you know I have to bring it up. Um, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, so this season, you know, not so good. But uh, you know, James mentioned it. Maybe we can talk a little bit about more about next season. But um, you know, w- what are your thoughts as we wrap up here and go into next year? Yeah, that's 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 a good thought. I've been thinking about that a little bit. I'll I'll admit full fledged that I was a maybe classify me as a as a Carlos sympathizer. I was I was clinging to uh, you know what he had helped us uh, you know sniff say in the in the in the couple promotion challenging seasons. Um, but but now you know really looking back you know I, I I really don't see how he would be motivating a squad like Joss has of late here. So um, yeah, that's played out to be to be a, a fortuitous decision you know by our chairman by our club to to, to do it the best they could to move on. Um, so yeah, and and you know and, and leaning in and listening to other people's perspective on the injury issues that we've had, um, how much of that is preparation and training and infrastructure that we have in place how much of that is luck hard to say probably in some of those some of those things it 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 is does seem to be an interesting kind of intersection where we are with the ffp considerations um the injury considerations we have with some of our top talent that would be really good saleable assets you know if they were 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 at the the form that we've we've seen them execute at before but aren't today and then of course our promotion you know our chairman's promotion aspirations it's it's really an interesting intersection to see, you know, how you, you make forward. I love it. How Joss has brought in some of the, some of the youth squad into the, into the team, you know, Sean Clare, I know he's in some discussions about maybe not being with us anymore. That's been a, been a great bright spot. Thornley's been, had some good moments, had some, you know, learning moments, you'd say down the, down the same path. Nielsen, you know, has shown, shown that he can get out there and kick around a little bit too. Great big guy. So, um, yeah, you, you you see the teams that that seem to do it well, and they've got this good combination 
of uh, of a squad they can draw from youth wise and you know some some smart assets um, with some big price tags. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm in the camp that I I totally get why we we, we got to shed a goalie this this summer. We gotta we gotta you know dump that get rid of that salary. We've gotta we've gotta find a you know between Dawson or Wildsmith or 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 Westwood. We gotta figure that one out. Um, I've heard the conversation about reach, keep him, sell him. Um, I think he's backbone to the team. I think between him and, and Barry Bannon, that's our, that's our kind of spine of, of, of how we attack. Um, you know, Kieran Lee, interesting to see if, if he's going to be able to really shake his injury woes. Um, if somebody got a good offer for him, I don't think he'd be a terrible asset to get rid of. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the back line's got some things to shore up as well, right? We're going to, likely be losing our captain, right? Our club captain. So who really is going to step up and, and Leuven's the spot. I think that's interesting. Um, Jack Hunt's been, been great when he's been healthy. Um, but you know, we always could use some depth on the wings. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, in a hopeful place, I would say based on what Joss has been able to do with us here in the back end of the season, put us in kind of the form table where we've got, he's got us, um, but but it's it's hard to see us being able to pull off a season like Wolves has done this year, or you know Villa in the spending spree that they've gone on. Um, but you know Cardiff City's done some stuff on on their side. It's interesting to see how other people in the league have been able to position themselves. Brentford's a good model, right? We talked about that a lot when we were in London about the um, about how they've been able to build from within their squad and they've got a chance to challenge for promotion. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting off season. I think we've been in bye 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 mode, but uh, that that clearly has to has to be tempered this year with uh, adding some other elements to that strategy into the squad. Yeah, fantastic stuff, and uh, it's definitely clear to to me and, and the rest of us. I'm sure that that you're a pretty knowledgeable guy when it comes to soccer. Um, well, first of all, I'm curious, how long have you been in Cincinnati? Yeah, I moved here in 2001. Okay. So okay. Right out of right out of college, I came here. Yep. So I'm kind. Of, I'm just curious if you could maybe speak on what the uh, what the soccer culture is like in Cincinnati. I, I had a chance to. I was actually living in Cincinnati during the last World Cup, uh, and and I got to go down to Fountain Square for um, all three U.S. Uh, group stage matches. And so I'm just curious if you can speak a little bit on on kind of the emergence of the soccer culture. We don't have to get into the Louisville rivalry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> But yep. you know, just just speak to us on about that for a little. Yeah, it's 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 been in in it's it's been a really exciting part of of, of Cincinnati. Um, you know the the it's been this kind of burgeoning team. There's always been really strong youth soccer teams here in the area. Um, some really strong women's teams or young girls teams here in the in the, in the Cincinnati area. So it's always been a part of kind of this younger culture but it, for whatever reason, wasn't penetrating in Cincinnati. I always like to say, I think it was a baseball town first with the Reds um, being here, being the first professional baseball team. Um, you know, I think maybe born a little bit out of the frustration from the Bengals. I think that's had a little bit to do with it as well. Um, but I think it's, yeah, like you said, Evan, it, with the, with the, the world cup energy and, you know, people coming together and the, the, the fact that it's more accessible than ever it, it's, it's been before on TV. Um, there are quite a few crew fans in Cincinnati. I know a number of season ticket holders for the crew and I've made it to a number of games up there. Um, and then I'd say, 
yeah, just in the last three years as, as FC Cincinnati has, has taken off, right. It's embraced by some of the you know more wealthy people in town. So they really were able to put a lot of focus and structure around it, right. They play at the university of Cincinnati's, uh, American football stadium. So it's right in the middle of the college campus. So there's a really great atmosphere around the games. It's really family. It's really family friendly, right? It's really welcoming, you know, place. Um, and the other thing I'd say that's been really nice for Cincinnati is you can get into an FC Cincinnati game for 10 bucks. Um, I think that's been a big factor in why people are embracing it. It can be a nice out in, in the summertime. You can take a whole family of four for um, not a lot. Um, you can see, you know, the energy, energy of the, of, of the crowd. It, it caters to, you know, young party and college kids as much as it does to, to families as, and, and all things in between. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting thing to see the, the city embrace it. I know that, you know, last week there was some talk about the MLS promotion hopes. I am actually in the camp that I'm not so certain that moving up to MLS is perfect for this soccer club. Um, I think the $10 tickets turn into 40 and $50 tickets. Um, you know, Patty, you can probably speak to that. I think you're a, you're a Red Bulls season ticket holder or, or consistent fan. Um, I think it might, it would change kind of the, the culture and the structure of it a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, but yeah, Evan, that's been a part of my, my growth and, and, and enjoyment in it. I'd say Sheffield Wednesday, top of the pyramid for me, but, but FC Cincinnati is, is, is not far behind. And as far as where I, I'm focusing my attention on the, on the Saturdays. Fantastic stuff. Well, hey, um, thanks so much. And, and, you know, Patty and I, we talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but you know, we're both excited to see you this weekend and I'm, I'm happy to, to be back in Cincinnati and Patty will be glad to visit and, uh, looking forward to meeting up with you. Yeah, perfect. That should be a really fun festival. The weather looks to be really, really nice. Um, yeah, the, you know, Aaron's put this festival on, Aaron Desner's put this festival on for several years in a row now. It's really expanded. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys. Should be a should be a fun weekend. I think it goes without saying, uh, Elliot, that uh, that Jeff and I are more than a little bit jealous of the fact that we're uh, we're not on the plane out to Cincinnati this weekend. Um, I can I can certainly attest, Evan, to the fact that hanging out with Elliot and Melissa in uh, in any setting is uh, is a whole lot of fun. So I'm sure you guys are going to have an awesome time. Um, Elliot, just you know, sincere thanks for coming on. We've uh, we really really enjoyed listening to your perspectives on Wednesday and and football uh, in the states in general. And it just goes to show what a burgeoning fan base we have. I think our next objective is to get uh, all of you in Cincinnati together and uh, and form the next branch of Isles America. So we'll look forward to hearing more about that next season. Yep. I'm on board. Thanks so much, guys. Talk soon. Awesome. Hey, cheers, bud. Cheers, Elliot. We have a Wednesday-centric dispatches from American Soccer this week. Evan Skilter, a somewhat famous Wednesday, a Wednesday of note has popped up in the MLS team of the week. Yeah, you'll never believe this story. So I was at the crew game, um, you know, stood in the supporters section with my wife and and we're we're watching and um, crew crew aren't doing so well. Uh, It ended up 2-2, but the the DC United defense was was very good. They're very stout, uh, especially these two big center backs. And so we get to, I don't know, early on in the second half, and, and one particular center back is doing very well. 
And so I looked at Rachel. I was like, man, that, that guy is good. He, he's someone we could really use at, at Sheffield Wednesday. And, um, you know, she she laughed, whatever. The game went on, and I kept watching him. I was like, he kind of looks familiar. And then finally he got close enough to where I could see the name on the back of his shirt, and it said, Dielna. And I thought, no, 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 no way that's the same one. And so I pull out my phone and pulled up the, the DC United roster. And sure enough, Claude Dielna is playing center back for DC United. And the irony in the, the, the story is that I literally said, man, we could use him at Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, obviously <laughs> someone disagreed a, a couple years back. Um, and then Sign you up as a scout. Even, yeah. Well, I wouldn't sign you up as a scout because really you played New England on Saturday, right? And these played for New England. It was New England to do 2 2 with. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> all, all those all those teams out there kind of run together. How so, much fireball yeah. did you have exactly, Evan? Place for, place for New England. Um, Evan, does but, he still have enormous shorts? Um, I, I didn't notice his shorts uh, per se, but uh, he did end up being on MLS Team of the Week. So. He uh, he was one of the best players in the league that week, so I, I guess I was sort of right. He You're was good scout, very good. Yeah. It's a shame that you got good for him, I guess. Great story, otherwise. Now well, to I actual. Start over. No. <laughs> Please don't. Now to actual Wednesday news, and breaking news on the podcast. Sort of, not really. The under twenty threes drew with Colchester, which means they only need one point from their last match to win the PDL two. Very exciting. Very exciting, Jeff. I mean, did you exactly see what happened in the, like, the last minute of that game? It was a penalty so I, save. Th- there was a penalty save in the Wednesday Colchester game. So uh, I think Wallace is our keeper who, uh, who saved the penalty to kind of justify the points. And then um, the uh, the Bolton-Ipswich uh, game, which was kind of like the, the rivalry at the top, uh, Bolton lost 3-2 in the last minute as well. So, uh, so yeah, just a point on Friday to retain their under-23 title. That's pretty cool. Is there a promotion relegation in those leagues? Uh, this is this is nearly as complicated as the MLS pro rel debate, Evan. Um, not really, no, because you have to have academy status in order to gain entry to the league above. So um, I think Wednesday are like Premier League Division 2 or something like that, and it's all based on the rating of their academy in terms of the facilities quality and the... Uh, you know the, the the kind of the setup of the infrastructure as opposed to the performance of the team on the pitch. So it's literally Fair like enough. MLS, <laughs> without the profiteering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean the uh, the the efficient use of resources of <laughs> pocket based economy. Uh, it's it's like, a good thing Paul's not on this week. <laughs> so there's a new amenity at Hillsborough that was in the news this week once again because of. Uh, James Marriott, mostly. There's an SWFC fan park at Hillsborough. Yeah. Mm. Uh, fan zone, it was called, wasn't it? Like, um, you get a lot, a lot of these clubs nowadays. Yeah. It was great. I mean, the idea of it is fantastic. Um, it was outside the uh, megastore. Um, like, minions there and stuff and bouncy castles. And I think the adults could buy a beer. Um, but that's <laughs> what they failed to tell people was that uh, it wasn't a fan zone, it was a family zone, and you needed to have a child to enter. 
So our friend James, bless him, went in and uh, got turned away from lack of children. A little surprised James just didn't find a child to bring with him so he could get a beer. <laughs> yeah, and this happened to a few people too, actually. A few people started commenting on that, and uh, it's not obviously not just James that tried to get in. Sure. So just, just poor communications. And it's something mm. that, again, that the club tries so hard. I'm sure the families have got into it and had a great time. But they just need to be a little bit better, that little extra mile to kind of uh, make everyone feel like this was a success rather than getting a bad feeling around it. I don't want to dwell this too much. I think it was a good idea. I think it probably was a great time for all the kids who got into it. It just needs to rest on the communications, that's all. Well, it's not quite the prestigious award like the MLS Team of the Week. Fernando Forcieri <laughs> did pop up in the EFL Team of the Week. He had two weeks in a row for a Wednesday player showing up there. And also won the Skybet Goal of the Weekend, which is not surprising since... Everyone else in this podcast seems to be preferring it as the goal of the season. Totally deserved. I mean, it's nice to see some of our team back in the team of the week again, isn't it? It seems like a long time ago. Remember that year, the first year of Carlos, when we had a goal of the week every weekend? Every weekend? That was a good time to be alive, wasn't it? But this year has been barren as far as team of the week appearances and goals of the weekends. But um, yeah, well done, Forrest Gary. Totally deserved. Bouncing back to a youth team news, uh, constant podcast concern and possible Bulgarian David Hurst, Preslav Borokov celebrated his 18th birthday this week. So happy birthday. He did that on the bus for the under-23s, which I think speaks well of him. He continues to get you know, run out for the reserves. The Bulgarian brick shit house. That's what I'm calling him from now on. 18 years old. And big as a wardrobe. Can we just kind of feel sorry for him just for a split second? Uh, you know, 18th birthday, shouldn't he be now like just, you know, going for his first pint and that sort of coming of age moment of finally being allowed to drink a drop of alcohol? And instead, sure. he's on a, fo- a football coach going south to Colchester. Um, I mean, you know, I'm pretty Colchester sure that. <laughs> no place to spend your 18th birthday. <laughs> Well, exactly, and and as a responsible football player in a you know a major club academy, I'm pretty sure he's never dabbled. So uh, so what what a what a loss to him, you know, to to be so professional and to miss out on that. He doesn't look like a chap who's uh, who's already kind of about 25 and uh, and weighs twice as much as me and can grow, frankly, a much much stronger beard. <laughs> yeah, there's Did one thing we know about Eastern Europeans is that they're definitely teetotalers. So. I'm sure the yeah. beer was of no interest to him. How drunk is Luke right now? Tweeting about <laughs> he's still going. <laughs> this is not this is not on the agenda, but I think we should cover it. Wait, like Luke was supposed to be on the show, or we thought he was going to be on the show, and about five p.m. he just posted a random picture. I don't where where even was he? Well, you should say what the random picture was, Jeff. It was a random Spot. picture of, of an aquarium which he'd been staring at for 10 minutes before he realised it was a TV screen, not an actual fish tank. Yes. <laughs> I, I also want to go through his, his uh, text earlier today because I think this is also everything kind of like crowdsourced answers to what he was trying to talk about. Because this is, this is about 2, maybe 3 o'clock. Oh, I can't find all the crap now. But he just is basically a series of bizarre texts from Luke today which started very early in the afternoon, and it's Monday here, by the way, uh, and it continued throughout the day that made no sense. And now he's tweeting at us while we're talking on the podcast. Just general Wednesday facts. 
Not not so much general Wednesday facts. I think, in, in fairness, he's setting up our nice segment in Wednesday News quite nicely, Jeff, because he's uh, he's running down a list of Wednesday players he's admired this season. Uh, so he's uh, he's mentioned Adam Reach, he's mentioned mm-hmm. Joe Wildsmith, he's yes. mentioned Tom Lees, mm-hmm. and then for some inexplicable <laughs> reason, which can Fox. only possibly explain the fact that he's <laughs> drunk as shit, he's then gone Morgan Fox in capitalised letters, one point two 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 points per game. <laughs> the three played. significant digits are very important. I think his point is that Morgan Fox appearances resulted in more points per game than Adam Reach appearances. Well, he hasn't made that very uh, lucidly or, uh, or well, in a particularly engaging way. So, uh, so let's move on to player of the season, Jeff. Yes, we're not just going to... There's only two games, two games left in the season. But once the season wraps, we're going to do an entire player of the season segment for our end of season special, which will happen after the season ends in two weeks. There will be some contentious debate, I have a feeling. Yeah, but the club have kind of jumped out ahead of us and actually put the uh, put the vote up on uh, on yes. Twitter right now. So I think it's it's open until just before the Norwich game. So the the official Sheffield Wednesday player of the season will be crowned, unfortunately, before this podcast gets around to uh, to anointing its player of the season. So we won't prejudge the result uh, of that. But uh, yeah, the uh, the vote is there. So if you go to the Wednesday Twitter handle or go to the website, you can. Uh, you can go onto a very complex survey monkey platform and you can vote for your player of the season. The entire squad is there. So if Luke wants to vote for Morgan Fox, he can vote for Morgan Fox. Don't encourage him. He might still be drunk by the time he listens to this podcast. Oh, imagine that. Imagine the worst drunken hangover thinking, what did I do last night? <laughs> oh my God, I voted Morgan Fox player of the season. <sighs> there will also be a, a goal of the season award and we're not going to even waste any time we'll go round robin barring an incredible worldie in either the wolves or the we finished with norwich is that right i think i vaguely remember looking this up at the beginning of the season thinking it might be like a big promotion matchup <laughs> not really for us <laughs> but it was I think that this one's worth spending a bit of time on, right? So, um, you know, Pat Paddy in the uh, in the review of the Reading game claimed that Fessy is uh, is goal of the season. What? I think that's a bit bold, Paddy. Um, I mean, it was a pretty cracking goal, but at least in first viewing, it looked like it took a deflection. Although, in fairness, I saw someone's camera phone footage from the north stand, and actually, it didn't. It was it just kind of flew into the top corner off the keeper. So, cracking goal, Fessy. But you know, actually, in, in in all honesty, if you look back at this season, we've had some absolute thunderchuffers to uh, to steal a phrase. Um, let's go back to Adam Reach against Aston Villa, for example. That wasn't a bad goal, was it? So we we we've actually got a few positives here we could talk about if we really want to focus in on goal of the season in a sort of nineteen ninety four match of the day sort of way. And I'll tell you what. Go ahead, and you go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I'll uh, I'll create a little video. <laughs> That uh, and hopefully you guys like it, and there aren't too many edits to do. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll create, I'll create a little video with uh, with some goals. How about I uh, put? I'll try to put nine, maybe nine on there. And uh, do we? Do you have any suggestions on what to put though? Yeah, I've got a few. Um, okay. How about? Well, James mentioned Reach versus Aston Villa. Let's put that in. That can be goal A. Goal B can be Reach versus Nottingham Forest. That was also a great goal. That was a great goal. Top, top, top Wally, Wally finish into the top corner. It was still raise, rising as it went into the uh, stanchion. That was beautiful. That. On his weaker foot, as we had to hear about, I think, 25 times in the aftermath. <laughs> Do you remember the Bannon goal against Chesterfield where he took it from the halfway line and then leathered it? 
I had yeah, forgotten yeah. about that one, Patty. That's a good yeah. one. That's well, C. To be fair, though, Jeff, you did reference the Chesterfield game earlier in this podcast. You must have been subliminally thinking about Roy Banning about... carving his way through the Chesterfield defense. I forgot about the specific Banning goal. I just, you know, Chesterfield, yeah. How about we put that Forestieri goal uh, against Reading this weekend A goal D, inexplicably? I'm messing shit up. There's absolutely no then, chronological order to these at all, apparently. Apparently not, no. Then uh, we all know New EU versus Preston North End, where he took it past five people and curled in top corner with his wrong foot. That's a goal E. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, whoa. Just... We, we, we all know that. That, that. that sounds like a... And how do you knew who goal? It must have been a, a goal might scramble, right? No, James. <laughs> this is only two weeks ago, mate. You should, you should go back and watch this uh, compilation video. The Chesterfield match was like has, eight has months ago. It. What's your excuse? I've started working on it as we've spoken, or as we're speaking. So. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Evan. Just talk about battles through more goals. Can we, uh, can we make it sound something a little bit like this? <laughs> <laughs> Do not change the soundtrack now. Evan will kill you. We've already got a soundtrack. We definitely haven't made this video already. And we definitely... Stop. I definitely don't have <laughs> questions about work. the audio mixing between the commentary levels and the music levels. Must be aware that uh, there's not much left. He's found the Tissier. Oh, the Tissier's goal! Brilliant goal! Oh, brilliant goal! It sounds like a 1990s, like early 1990s goal of the year video. I, I, I think just to give a, a little bit of context here, Evan, that was basically my youth. It was it was staying up late on a Saturday night to watch the goal of the month award that uh, Des Lynham, nay Gary Lineker, was uh, was presenting, and it was always set to the lightning seeds. It was it was very happy times, especially considering that Wednesday actually occasionally had goals in there. You know, you see Benito Carboni knocking up in like 96, 97, walloping one in all Valle de Cania. So, but yeah, we've we've done all right this season. Paddy, what's uh, what's goal E? Goal E is the new Hugh goal. You've got it again already. That's against Preston North End. Where he takes oh yeah, I, I keep forgetting that guy. He's he's not really worth much, is he? No, and then goal F. I mean, it's just a suggested order, um, Evan. If you want to go with this order, it's fine. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, goal F, Joao versus Derby County. I can't remember what it's like. Oh, he just kind of drills it. Well, skipper, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, skipper bottom right. How about putting uh, old uh, Joey P, goal G, um, <laughs> against Millwall? <laughs> okay. Yes. You sound great on this, by the way. And then... Um, about uh, old David Jones with his only good <laughs> contribution of the season against real, Sunderland. I remember that was a real pile driver. That, yeah, that was one that was rising as it as it hit the net. Still, that was beautiful. And lads, uh, any more? I've got any more for the last goal. Let me. We're gonna get nine, right? We're gonna do ten. Ten is too much. How about nine. How, How about, about uh, versus Leeds? Oh, that's a good nope. one. I was gonna suggest uh, Alman Abdi against Nottingham Forest, though. No, sorry, we ain't, we ain't got that. No. That, that, was, that, that was not this season, was it, Jeff? Was it? I don't... Okay, uh, Hooper against Brentford. The little back heel. Back heel? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good one. Yeah. I, mean, I still like Lee versus Leeds better. I mean, Evan, do you think you can honestly get that footage at this late notice? Why can't we no. just do 10? <laughs> Our number. You make, you make the fucking video, Jeff. Yeah? <laughs> uh... Uh, so anyway, I mean, you may have guessed already that this video is in production. Uh, those goal letters um, will be putting out on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube later on. Oh, actually, when you hear this podcast, it'll already be live, so don't worry about that. Go on our Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the we magic want of video editing will just be there already. 
I want you to pick your favourite goal of the season out of those we just mentioned. Uh, if we've missed any, like Abdi versus Forrest, for instance, we want you to tell us that, which I'm sure you will anyway, in the comments uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And then next week, we will narrow those goals down to the top three. And then by the end of the season, uh, we will have a winning goal of the season, which is obviously goal D, Forestieri versus Reading. That's goal D, Forestieri versus Reading. It's blatantly goal A, Adam Reach against Aston Villa, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, that, that is still an absolute world of a goal. It would have graced a, a compilation video or something like this. Evan, you have to change the music, mate. I'm busy. I told you James would not let us put us out without putting light and seeds as the soundtrack. Chaps, can we please talk about Wolves Away? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do we have to, Jeff? Because I've got to go to this chuffing match. Um, Yeah, so uh, as as punishment, I think I said this last week, that if I... um, if I said the wrong thing about an English provincial town, it would come up and bite me, mostly as a result of uh, of kind of being poked by uh, James Marriott of Wednesday Week fame. So, um, yeah, all of the nasty things I've said about English provincial towns have, uh, have really come back to roost. And I'm uh, I'm going to Wolverhampton on Saturday. So um, we will be we will be entertaining the champions or rather they'll be entertaining us. And it turns out that they're going to be presented with the uh, the championship champions trophy after the game. So it'll be. Just a title procession for this Wolves team. Um, I mean, in fairness, Wolves have had a, an outstanding season, haven't they? Um, definitely been the class act of the championship. Uh, they've paved the way and shown us all how it, uh, what it takes to get out of the division, which is just spending an absolute shit ton of cash on some... Uh, a questionable some relationship with groups. Jorge Mendes. <laughs> with a very questionable relationship with Post and Sports and, uh, and Jorge Mendes. But in fairness, they've uh, they've done it in style, haven't they? I mean, they've blitzed the division and they, they, you know, they've been a standout uh, level above everybody else. They've got some amazing players. Um, Nuno Espirito Santos has done a phenomenal job in blending some very classy players and some you know players who maybe uh, wouldn't have been seen as as necessarily the highest levels of the championship. Connor Cody springs to mind um, before that, and they've they've played some great football. I think they blew away Bolton four 0 last weekend to uh, to clinch promotion or clinch the t- title. I can't remember which they've been they've been up for some time, haven't they? So fair play Wolves. Um, so yeah, a little crowd of us are going down on Saturday. Um, Wednesday are in decent form and you know hopefully Wolves are kind of uh, into their end of season sort of uh, starting to think about life in the Premiership and when whether they can hang on to Neves um, and other players uh, under reported interest from some of the top teams in the Premier League so um, maybe Wednesday can nick something it'd be nice to spoil their promotion party but yeah Wolves away means I'm going to see the delights of the, the Wolverhampton Town Centre um, the approach to uh, Molyneux um, probably a lot of concrete and uh, then we're going to hot foot it back to Birmingham and have some good beers. So, uh, yeah, if anyone uh, in the Wednesday fan base in the UK is going to Wolves, come along and say hello. Um, if you're, more importantly, going to drink some uh, nice beer in Birmingham on Saturday, come along and say hello. Um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll report back next week on what it's like to actually go to Wolverhampton. I might even send some photos, uh, a postcard from uh, the West Midlands. Let's call it that. I'd love a postcard. Do they even make postcards anymore? We're doing Wolverhampton. It's Fair enough. <laughs> it's about the only industry left standing, I think, in the West. <laughs> They're really kind of hanging all their um, hopes on postcards coming back. 
Patty, apparently we have a bunch of Owls Americas updates. Um, uh, yes, so the Wolves meetups uh, this week. Uh, we do have two in the Americas. We are back at Football Factory um, for the New York meetup. Um, I won't be there, as I'll be in Cincinnati with my lover, Evan Skilleter. Um, and we also have one in New Orleans at Finn McCool's which uh, Jamie's organizing, Jamie Midgley. Uh, for more details on that, you can get them at owlsamericas.com. And also, launching this week, maybe even tonight, maybe tomorrow if I have more time, uh, we have a merch store. Ooh. Um, and it's basic at the moment. There's four designs. But the coolest thing is beach towels. We are on the Tours, beach. guys. <laughs> beach towels. We are all on the beach already. There's an Owls in America's beach towel, the your name one. There's currently an America store live on the site. Uh, I'll send out the links uh, tomorrow. Um, but we'll have a UK store too, so it'll be local shipping for UK and Europe and local shipping for the USA. Same kind of deal as what the New York Owls done. Um, if you've got any kind of design ideas, uh, please send them our way. Uh, we are also working on some exclusive designs ourselves, which will be put up throughout summer. Uh, but right now, you can get the beach, beach towels and t-shirts, both in men's and ladies. Very exciting. Evan, do you have an update on your Addy Newhue tattoo? Oh, it'll it'll be a little while. You'll have to, <laughs> you'll have to give me some time. Um, I know it sounds funny, but I, I actually, um, when I was young, I had a heart condition, so I actually have to see my doctor before I'm allowed to... Uh, to get a tattoo, and this is my first try at it, so we'll have to see what happens. Screw that. Let's get tattoos six times this weekend. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We're matching ones. Let me see if I can get a hold of the, my doctor before. <laughs> oh, good we'll God. Him Evan, too. Evan, Evan, please tell me that your life is not in Paddy's hands this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully my wife can be responsible, because I, I know I'm not going to be. It's a bad plan. Yeah, just, just keep Paddy on those Michelob Ultras, and you'll be fine. Not drinking me just all the anymore. <laughs> Stay away That's from the funny. Korean pool halls. What? This has been episode 28 of the Owls Americast. Find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday Eyes Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James. What is the most exciting thing you can do in the Wolverhampton Town Center before the game? Uh, probably uh, walk up and stand on sta- stand on a statue and declare yourself to be a Birmingham City fan, and uh, and then uh, and then probably stay there for the rest of Saturday afternoon while uh, various <laughs> objects are hurled at you. I guess uh, I won't be doing that. I'll be uh, I'll be arriving on a train late from uh, from Birmingham City Centre and uh, departing probably bang on the final whistle before they start celebrating and firing off the fireworks. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, please, you're taking your life into your hands this week with Patty coming up. I don't have a question. I'm just uh, 
giving you a stern warning. Take care of yourself, mate. Oh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, can you please go find Luke and bring him home wherever he is? <laughs> he apparently is home, so good news. Okay, that's Luke good. is home and safe. Even better news, I'm inviting him to uh, Cincinnati for the weekend and me, him, and Evan are going to tear it up. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Pettinastro, and we'll see you back here, probably with a slightly smaller podcast crew, next week. Drunk on some cat's milk. <laughs>